0: Hello, lovelies. Welcome to Horror 421, the podcast, with your host, your friendly small-town horror author, Charles Campbell. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the frights
1: in this week's episode. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Horror 421 the podcast. Today I have a very special guest. He is a uh, a fellow author and he, not only that, he's an award-winning author um of the what was the book that you had was it Anathema? You, you I want to make it. sure I pronounce it correctly. All right. So uh he's an award-winning author of a novel called Anathema and we'll talk about that during the podcast. Uh, it was at the 2020-2021 Horror Authors Guild Award, and uh, I'm more than happy to have Nick Roberts on the show oh, today. Thank you, thank you for you having me. me today, Nick. Pleasure to be here. Oh, man. I'm, I'm always anxious to talk to uh, fellow authors, and I am Charles Campbell, your small-town horror author uh, with Valley Boy Publications. Awesome. So So uh, we'll get that out of the way. So, Nick, before we get started uh, with the questions, uh, give us the listening audience a little bit of your background you know how you came up uh how you fell into the horror genre and uh you know sure what led you into so, uh, writing um,
0: i like to say kind of like bane in the dark night i was uh i was born into darkness by being born in the month of october and uh i just naturally looked forward to the month of october and halloween's in october so Uh, those things kind of just naturally lined up i I just uh aligned spooky season with my birthday and um always looked forward to the scary movies that they would play on cable tv back in the day and um you know ever since first grade i would be drawing monsters and then you know a little bit later in elementary school i would add dialogue bubbles and kind of make comics and my little books and I've always been creative in that way. I've always had this desire to express myself creatively. And for some reason, it's always been like with dark and spooky type of things. And um, as far as, I guess, what got me into the genre early on was, I'd I'd say, goosebumps. And then that kind of segued into scary stories to tell in the dark And then, uh, going to the library one day, I remember this, like it happened yesterday. Uh, normally the the public library I went to as a kid in West Virginia was a two-story building and the children's section was on the second floor. So one day we walked in there and I just took a beeline from my parents straight to the fiction section. I didn't know what I was looking for, but, um, luckily the, uh, the K section of the fiction section was on my eye level and I looked and I saw this red comic book poking out in between all these novels and I grabbed it and pulled it out and it was Stephen King's Creepshow and I I looked at it and I thought it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. I opened it up and flipped through the pages and saw the, the illustrations and this was before I had seen the movie and I said, I want more of yeah. this. You know, this feels like something that uh, I'm oh, not yeah. supposed to see. So that, that was kind of my gateway <laughs> into, uh, into King and reading more adult horror. But uh, yeah, my whole life, I've always been writing something.
1: Well, yeah, that, and I have a very similar background. And I've I've said it before on the podcast. I grew up a Stephen King kid, uh, and kind of the same way with you. Love the horror comics. Uh, uh, I love comics in general growing up. So I was a Spider Man guy all the way up to my mid twenties. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, my introduction to Stephen King was Carrie back in the day. That's the first one I read. But you know, I'm a little older. I'm 54, so I was around when that stuff started coming out and. Uh, Man, yeah, I couldn't get enough of it. I think it. the first so, novel that I read of to his
0: was actually "The Long Walk," and I think it was, per- I think it was perfect because it had yeah. the teenage protagonist, and it and it was it was it was dark, yep. you know, it was a, a Bachman book, and uh, yeah, I just I love that book. That was that was the first one, first novel.
1: Yeah, we got a Stephen King shrine on my shelf over here, so I've got. Most of those books, I think a few have walked out, uh-huh. uh, borrowed, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, the long walk was great oh, yeah. and his Bachman stuff was great. And I, and I love that he published under that name. Uh, right. so no one knew it was him. So that was pretty cool. So what I want to do is kind of fast forward a little bit. We'll jump around a little bit with the questions during the podcast, but, uh, yeah, I want this to be all about you. Um, I'm super impressed, man. I've written 13 books uh going on fourteen. But what you've done out of the gate with your debut novel, Anathema, first of all, I want you to kind of give the the listeners an overview of what that novel's about. But tell me what it felt like to win an award right out of the gate. That that sounds pretty amazing to me. I've been a finalist in a couple of book competitions, but I've never won anything and that that I want to know, you know, how that felt to you and, and sure. A little um, bit about that.
0: So a little bit of backstory about anathema that sort of informs the plot of the story. Um, When I was about, you know, 13, 14, started experimenting with with alcohol, drugs, and I went down a really dark path until I was about age 25. You know, I hit rock bottom about uh, age 25 and April 12th, I'm sorry, April fifteenth, two thousand twelve. I checked into treatment, and I've been sober since that day. So going over eleven years now, and in the last, uh, I'd say probably five or six years, I noticed in media, whether it be you know TV, movies, books, whenever they would depict someone in recovery from substance use disorder the uh, the arc of the character was always, will they or will they not stay sober? And I just thought, you know, there's so much more to that. And, you know, white knuckling it through the day is sort of the opposite of recovery in my mind. Um, so I had this goal that I wanted to, after I, I went back to college, age 25, I got my bachelor's in English, realized there wasn't anything you can do with an English degree. Um, but, so I realized that I had to get a teaching certificate. So I got my, my master's in teaching and just kept the ball rolling and got my doctorate in educational leadership. And along the way, I said, you know, if I, I've been writing little things my whole life. If I don't sit down and actually write something, it's just never going to happen. If I keep putting it off, I'm never going to do it. And... I had that idea that I wanted a protagonist that was more that, that was a person in recovery but was more than that. And uh, my wife mm-hmm. and I um we uh we moved into a townhouse in uh, in West Virginia and we were in the middle of two other townhouses. And not to say that the walls were thin, but if there were, you know, loud noises on either side we could hear it so this uh planted kind of a seed in my mind of you know what would happen if there's something kind of nefarious going on on one side of this our townhouse and um i was also while i was in school i was delivering pizzas at the time and this was kind of when all three of these ideas came together Led Zeppelin's song, When the Levee Breaks, started playing on the radio. And hearing that song, wanting to depict a person in recovery, and having it set in a townhouse with a creepy neighbor beside them, all lined up. So,
1: yes. That was so a perfect storm, man. So the I plot of Anathema in my head. is
0: you have this young couple with a rocky past, and they have a young son, and they're looking for a fresh start. And they buy a townhouse, and they move in, and um, they have a reclusive neighbor. And the, the uh, friendly older neighbor on the other side tells them that that neighbor rarely comes out. Um, she has a degenerative uh, brain disorder, and she's in her mid-20s. And um, they said that she has a caretaker who's her uncle. And that's all you'll see is you'll see the uncle going in, bringing her things, but it's best just to leave her alone. Okay. So that's sort of the premise. And then their young son starts to say, um, he starts to talk about an imaginary friend that he's met since they moved into the house who comes in his room at night through his closet door, which is, um, connected to the, to the neighbor's house. So it kind of gets a little crazy
1: from there on. Oh wow! Yeah, I definitely would want to check that out. You really piqued my interest, and uh, it, it it must be really good, man, because uh, you got a pretty prestigious award out of it. Tell me, tell me how that felt uh, once you found out you 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 know you entered this and you won for your debut novel. That is crazy. So,
0: <laughs> I don't want to inflate it is into something it's not it's not it's not the horror writers association stoker debut novel
1: yeah but it's, it is, still, yeah. it's so still something the horror authors like, guild go ahead.
0: Um, was founded i think like in 2019 and you know there weren't a tremendous amount of members there were quite a few and and uh everyone decided that they were going to have a their first award show, so all the everybody submitted their stuff, I found out that you know mine made it to the finals of debut novel, and I was up against a couple of other ones, and I read the other ones and you know i, I they were so different. I didn't know like the voters, like which way they would go. Yeah. Mine was super dark. It dealt with mature themes of addiction and had some very disturbing scenes. It's by no means an extreme horror novel, but it has some extremely uncomfortable and, um, unapologetic scenes. I remember I, I heard, uh, Clive Barker, gotcha. he said, um, you know, you have to write unapologetically, or it's going to come off as being disingenuous. So I had that in my mind the whole time I wrote *Anathema*. When I got to the parts that had to go there, I I went there, and um, you know, I'm proud of that book now. I was, uh, you know, looking back on, I've grown to love it. But it's, it, I saw all I did was see its flaws when it first came out, uh, and and like you know, the first year or two. But I remember we uh, it was during COVID when it came out. So um we had a bunch of promotions lined up. I was going to be a speaker at the West Virginia Book Fair and um I had different book signings lined up and then COVID hit March 2020 everything got shut down and I was just distraught and um yeah then this award show thing happened. They decided they were going to do it virtually and yeah you know, i just went down in the basement at the townhouse and sat there with all the other nominees and we got to listen to our names get announced as winners and give a little acceptance speech and oh, it was it was pretty
1: cool so um
0: yeah i'm yeah
1: that's very cool man that's very cool uh you know you definitely piqued my interest with that book so i'm going to go back and uh Definitely check it out. And uh, to the listeners, I'm currently listening to The Exorcist House. I've got about three hours left. So by the time this airs, I will have finished it. But so far, I'm really enjoying it. So I want to segue into that book a little bit. If you can give our listeners a little overview. And I love the reference to Blatty in that book, by the way. Um, But uh, if you give the listeners an overview of what that book is about, maybe, you know, uh, what they can expect if they pick up a copy or, or download the audiobook because because uh, I'm, you know, so far I'm really enjoying it and sure. talk about your narrator too. What so you're at it. after like writing
0: anathema, I said, you know, I wanted to write something a little more universally appealing, um, something along the lines of, you know, that, that could be set in like a conjuring universe an Amityville type of universe. Um, and the exorcist, is uh, my my favorite horror novel. It's my favorite horror movie, and it traumatized me as a kid. I saw it went way too young and um I uh, had that in my mind but with an after finishing anathema, you know I said I wanted to write something a little not necessarily lighter but more entertaining and more fun, more like a roller coaster ride and you know sitting around a campfire till type of story than sort of like like anathema i would compare to pet cemetery and in in terms of in terms of like tone and you know um the exorcist house is a little more a little more mainstream but anyway um when i was a kid my uncle had a farm in in west virginia and i remember going out there it seemed huge at the time, I mean, it's probably just a couple acres now, but through a child's eyes, it was huge. He had this farmhouse that just looked so cool in my the way I'm remembering it. And I said, you know, my next novel I'm going to set in a farmhouse in rural West Virginia in the 90s. And it had setting it in the 90s had nothing to do with trying to capture nostalgia or anything like that because there's there are very few references to to it being said in the '90s. Actually, in the book, it's just the time I was at that farmhouse in my life was in the '90s, so I just wanted to to do it that way. Right. Um, but the synopsis is that um, the Hill family uh, they live in Ohio. Daniel Hill is a psychologist. His wife's a teacher, and they have a teenage daughter named Alice. And Daniel gets this bright idea that he wants to buy this uh farmhouse at auction and down in rural West Virginia and flip it and turn a profit because he knows that there's some uh, uh there's some business coming into that part of West Virginia and it's developing and it could instantly um turn turn a quick profit and he plans on you know spend spending a summer with his family down there uh flipping the house. And thinks it'll be a great experience, bonding experience for all of them. His wife's not crazy about the idea, but she goes along with it. Um, and once they get there, they uh, they realize that they talked to some neighbors. And they realize that the previous owner um, was sort of what they called a backwoods exorcist. And, and he, he actually died in the house. Um, Under mysterious circumstances And uh, You know uh, Once they get settled in the house And start uh, fixing it up They go down in the basement And they discover that there's this Little secret room hidden With a boarded up Well that's sort of adorned with crucifixes And once uh, Once we get there all hell kind of breaks loose
1: yeah, and I will tell you, man, and and I don't know if, if, if this was the intent or it's just my interpretation. I got a little Evil Dead meets The Exorcist vibe coming out of that a little bit. Um, I, I, so far, I'm digging it. Like I said, I have three hours left, so I don't want to go too far into the plot uh, because I'm probably going to finish it tomorrow as I do my day job. But, uh, yeah, we're— uh, you said you know it was something that could be set in the conjuring universe. I can definitely see that. I can definitely see it on the on a screen. Um, what were some of your inspirations for writing that book? You touched on it a little bit, but I want to dive into that a little bit more. What, where did you you know dig that? What well so did you dig honestly, that? So honestly,
0: um, so I had that setting in my mind that I wanted to write my next novel on a farm, and I had recently read um, House of Leaves by Mark Daniel And I'm not going to say it was an enjoyable experience the whole time I was reading it. It had its ups and downs. I mean, it's, it's intentionally a challenging read. It's, you know, you're intentionally supposed to feel confused and disoriented while reading it. And it, it plays with uh, how you see space like physical space. And after reading that book, Uh, I I remember I was like just I was standing in the shower looking down at the water going down the dark drain. And suddenly it wasn't just a drain, a dark drain that I couldn't see into. It was this infinite space, almost Lovecraftian. And and I said, Mm -hmm. uh, so more than anything, it's that's where the idea of the of the well started. So I said, I want to have like, you know, this couple who, you know, they, they, they dig each other. They have a good relationship. You know, they're not this bickering couple and, you know, I wanted it to, wanted them to be likable characters and realistic and I wanted them to get to this farm and then I just wanted crazy things to happen. So when the, uh, the, I guess the exorcist or possession part of it the, the all that kind of came together as I was writing it because it, I don't I don't outline I sort of you know I have a basic premise um sometimes it, like with anathema it started with a character idea and you know sometimes I'll take uh, Quint, I think it was Quentin Tarantino who said you know just get two characters in a room and have them start talking and, you know, eventually something's going to come out of that, and, uh, you know, that's sort of what happened, I, and I wrote the prologue to the Exorcist house. I sat down, I said, so, if this family's going to move into a haunted house, I need to know why it's haunted, so I, I wrote the prologue, and the prologue starts with this old man sitting peacefully and serenely on this rock, and I... I tried my best to describe the, the farm, um, kind of how Cormac McCarthy would describe a farm with, uh, you know, rolling hills in, that, in the Appalachian um, area. And just a kind of beautiful night where you see all the stars. He's sitting there smoking his pipe with his dog, his bloodhound beside him. And he's just you know musing about the stars and the constellations and talking to his dog, and you know all all, all the while his dog's kind of whimpering and looking back over uh, his shoulder. The old man's just trying to calm his dog down and say relax, relax. And then he, he starts to hear these sounds coming from his house to his back, but the way he's reacting to them is is that he knows he knows it's there, so so then he uh he goes in the house, and you know that's that's sort of how the story begins we We see what happens with him but um once I had that prologue um and I had this the type of evil that I wanted to uh to to come out, that's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna veer into more the possession type of thing than." I don't know like ghosts or anything or other like supernatural things because right when honestly when i was writing that scene when that when that old man walks in that house i didn't know what he was going to find and that's that's what i love about writing is you know i'm i'm watching the movie in my head and just kind of dictating it as i go along and um I know if I get chill bumps or if I get creeped out that, that I'm onto something. And there were a couple, there were a couple things that that really kind of just chilled me with that prologue. So then, you know, it was, it was my job from then on to create some lovable lovable characters to put in situations where you actually don't want bad things to happen to the characters, because that's terror for me is when you, you care about the characters and they're, and they're in peril. It's not a slasher where everyone's expendable and you're rooting for Jason to knock off all the
1: counselors, (laughs) you know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, you know, I did love that prologue and I love the interaction between the old man and the dog and, you know, him trying to reassure the dog that everything's going to be fine. And he's even thinking to himself, yeah, this old guy, he'll, he'll, he'll make it talking about his dog he, he, he'll survive he, he, but uh yeah the prologue set up everything very well and i'm kind of like you i don't really outline either I, I normally have a you know i'll start with a beginning and an end uh, kind of where i want to go and then the middle just kind of comes <laughs> like the right. you know it, it kind of flows uh and once you're once you're rolling you're rolling i mean it just keeps coming and coming and coming uh, yeah, and that's for me, the beauty anyway. of that uh, second uh, draft is that wanna, you can uh, go back and make it look like you knew what you were doing all along. So, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And I, I've told people before on, on this podcast and my friends, you know, about 90% of the time where I think a book is going to end, it doesn't ever, hardly ever hit where I in, originally intended it for it to hit, if that makes sense. Um, because something changes. Mm -hmm. something changes something segues some idea comes in and you're like hmm no i want to go this direction you know uh but yeah man uh definitely going to check out anathema and so far i'm loving the Exorcist house um another thing that caught my eye is you published with crystal lake uh crystal lake publishing uh can you tell me a little bit about that publishing company and how you got attached to Crystal Lake Publishing? It's got a catchy name. every, yeah. every horror fan so, knows
0: that. It's funny because they're a comp- they're a publishing house based in South Africa. So you you wouldn't think that uh, Crystal Lake Publishing, you know, I don't I don't think South Africa when I hear Crystal Lake. But uh, you know, my first publisher no, no. was J Ellington Ashton Press, and they put out Anathema, and unfortunately, they didn't survive COVID. So they shut down and the rights to anathema, everything reverted back to me. And rather than seeing that book go out of print, I sort of re-edited it and reformatted it and um published it myself. I formed my own LLC just because I wanted to keep it alive on, on Amazon and you know it's in it's it's on Ingram Spark, so it's, it can be in retail stores. Um, but I didn't have a publisher anymore, so um, I had no desire to be um, self published. Not because you know I, I, I look down on anything like that. I just didn't want to have to do all that extra work that comes with being a self published author. And I admire those guys so much who you know hire editors and formatters and cover artists themselves and put all that together and then have to deal with the business side of it and the marketing so <laughs> um yeah i've had to deal with just a taste of that with anathema um but yeah so i i had the the polished script of or not script the polished manuscript of the exorcist house and it was called pandemonium at the time and uh because uh i i just wanted a reference to to hell and you know pandemonium can mean chaos but it's also in paradise lost it's the capital city of hell and i um uh, everybody had told me that anathema was a horrible title my, well my mom really had told me anathema was a horrible title she's, she's like you need a title that someone can recommend easily to other people nobody can say Hey, have you read uh, anathema? Uh, anathema? Uh, anathema? So, are you know going with Pandemonium? I had that same thought in my head. I was like, if I was in a bookstore and I saw Pandemonium just on the spine, uh, I may pick it up. I may not. There may be five other books called Pandemonium, and um, so right. Anyway, I I, I I got online and I just Googled. Um, publishing houses that were accepting unsolicited manuscripts. I also put together a huge list of agents and I just sent query letter after query letter to agent after agent and to these houses. And um, I got shot down, you know, time and time again. And by this time, you know, I kind of had developed a thicker skin and, you know, I realize how subjective the publishing publishing industry is. So um, I had two pub two small indie publishers that were interested in it, and uh, one of them was Silver Shamrock, and the other was Crystal Lake. And yeah,
1: great names, man. Yeah, Crystal Shamrock, Lake love got it.
0: back to me, and he said he said first of all, love your I love the book. He's like, I want to publish it. The problem is, and, and this is in this was at the end of 2020. He said, um, "Yeah." The problem is that I'm, I've got such a backlog of projects that I wouldn't be able to get this out until mid 2022. Uh, so, in my mind, I was like, "Gosh, I really don't want to wait like a year and a half for my book to come out." But on the other hand, we were still, we were we we're in wave two of COVID. So I was like, this might be kind of a blessing right. in disguise type of thing, you know? And I, and I really wanted that Crystal Lake title, that company logo on my book. And, um, so I said, yes, I agreed to it. And, um, this was the first time I actually worked with a professional editor. Uh, quite a few of them and you know I realized with my first book it was with a much smaller house it was like kind of a micro publishing house um, Crystal Lake you know I had to you know I had this document that I was sharing with these editors and they were going through and saying you're using too many passive verbs here and you know you need to switch up your sentence structure here and this doesn't make sense uh, my favorite comment that I that I got because they would leave comments in the margins um, was, and this is the point where I throw the book in the trash.
1: <laughs> so
0: yeah, I, I just had to laugh at it because, uh, yeah, so I'm still um, laughing.
1: That's pretty good. One
0: of them actually suggested with the at the end of the Exorcist house, and I'm not going to talk about the ending, but they they suggested. I want to see this additional scene. And I thought about it and I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And I wrote another scene and, um, the people who love the exorcist house, they love the ending the most. So my value for editors shot way up because, you know, that, that book wouldn't be what it is without the ending that it has and you know that editor is the one who told me that it needed it but um yeah so so man with uh crystal lake it came out may mid-may 2022 and we were doing uh we were sharing the cover um we were uh, uh they gave me a long list of different podcasters and guest blogs and, you know, people that I could connect with to try to promote it. And, you know, I I tried to contact as many people as I could to, to plug this thing, didn't know what was going to happen with it. And, um, well keep in mind, you know, this was still at the time, I think it was still called pandemonium. And one day I just sat there and I said, I've got to switch the title. You know, it takes place in an exorcist house. There it is. The exorcist house. That's easy. Anybody can recommend a book called the exorcist house. So we started calling it the exorcist house and, you know, Joe, he's the, yeah, he's the CEO over there at crystal Lake. And once I told him the new title, he was, he was all on board. And once we got that cover from uh, Matt Barnes, we were like, we might have something, marketable here um even without even if i wrote a horrible novel that title and that cover alone would would move some books and um it came out and within a few months it became uh crystal lake publishing's best selling novel to date and it still is and you know i i can't believe how successful it's become it it got shortlisted for the Bram Stoker awards on the preliminary ballot it was one of ten other books and you know I tried to manage my expectations but I was so you know that's a game changer right. to get yeah you're yeah, giddy man yeah. you can say it you're I, a giddy I, I was like if I can make it to that that top five and get be officially and call myself a Bram Stoker award nominee you know that's a game changer But it didn't happen. So, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And.
1: Well, guy, two books in. This is your second book. um, Yeah. And what's cool is that,
0: you know, I've. Through doing the podcasts with, um, you know, promoting The Exorcist House when it came out, I met a fellow author, John Durgan. He was doing a podcast at the time. And he said, man, there's this group on Facebook called Books of Horror, and there's like 30,000 people in it. And um, if your book goes viral in that group, like, you'll take off, like, you'll sell some books. So, I was like, okay, I'll join this group. Right. And I, I didn't want to do too much self-promotion or anything. So I got, I got in the group and, you know, reviewed a couple books and contributed a little bit. And then I dropped the cover of my book and the synopsis and it, through TikTok and uh Instagram and that Facebook group just word of mouth it just spread and it's still probably one of the two most top, talked about books in that group along with uh stolen tongues which is another horror novel that sort of blew up and went viral but um yeah so the it's it's being translated into German, Czech, yeah, Italian. Oh, wow. Um, we're negotiating with a couple of other countries right now. The film rights were acquired, and you know I had some guys, uh, a couple of producers in Hollywood. Once they figured out that I completely owned Anathema, they made a deal with me to get the film rights for Anathema. So both of my books were are. the the rights have been acquired nothing has been you know sold to a studio or anything like that yet right but you know that's one small hurdle to get over but you know the ultimate goal is to get a movie made and follow the stephen king path of having that carry made and then and then having the green light on on other stuff
1: Man, well, that's amazing stuff, man. A couple of those points you brought up about endings. uh, It reminded me of something that happened to me a few years ago. And I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast. Uh, I had a book called cinnamon tea. I think I released it in 2016 and it was a sci-fi kind more of a Mm sci-fi story with horror elements. Right. And so I get to the end of the book and everything's resolved. uh, But I have a whole separate um, chapter that, fully fleshes out the ending and I don't include it. I cut it where I cut it and I released it. And I had the people who actually follow my stuff and read, read my books. I had Facebook messages, friends that texted me. What the hell, man, <laughs> there's gotta be more. So I ended up sending PDFs of that ending yeah. to everyone who bitched about it. <laughs> That's funny.
0: That's funny. Cause uh, the, the <laughs> most blowback I got on, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'll be, I'll, I'll be vague. The blowback, <laughs> the blowback I got on the exorcist okay. house involved the dog. And, and so okay. the, the novel that I wrote after the exorcist house, it's called mean spirited. It's a couple of agents have it right now and they're looking at it. Um, that whole idea for that book Came from the feedback I got from the Exorcist House, um, so you know yeah. the, the criticism can uh,
1: can just can spark some ideas sometimes. what well when you said that that just brought that memory right back to me i said you know what he's absolutely right i mean i thought i was being clever with the ending that i had but i wasn't being fucking clever i was pissing Did people you try off to too, um, too ambiguous then, is you know, that know, what, what happened the, or what yeah it is i i <laughs> i tried to let the reader interpret how everything got <laughs> resolved uh but i you know i had it complete and i had the ending in the book and i said i'm no i'm going to chop it i'm going to chop it right here and people are going to love it. And
0: that's exactly they what I until they what didn't. happened with the Exorcist and house. Like, what the I
1: said I want it to be a little more ambiguous, so
0: it's, it ends right here. And then the editor said, "It can still be ambiguous, but w- this scene would make it killer." So I was like, "All right, I'll try it."
1: Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about what you have out there. I want you to uh, touch, do some touch points on what you have coming. What's coming I've down the pike for you?
0: Quite a lot coming. Um, I yeah. uh, and so I finished my novel uh, Mean Spirited, and my goal with Mean Spirited was to take a step up career wise, you know, a st- another step up the ladder. And not to say that there's anything wrong with working with Crystal Lake or small publishing or indie publishing houses at all. Uh, I love the creative freedom, I love the collaboration. Um, but you know ultimately, my goal would be to be a full time author and you know have my books be in the big bookstores and you know the the big publishers and to get that, I need an agent you know they they just don't accept unsolicited manuscripts, so that was my goal with with mean spirited If it doesn't work out, I'll find a publisher for it. you know I've built up enough of a following with uh with the Exorcist house that um I would feel perfectly comfortable releasing it myself, but I uh, would much rather go with another publisher but um I actually signed a contract for the exorcist house a sequel slash prequel to the Exorcist house and it's called the Exorcist House genesis, and it's going to come out um next year um mid 2024 and um yeah you know, i've got the basic plot in my head and I, I told myself you know once the Exorcist house blew up I, I was talking to joe the the owner of crystal lake and i said i said i could release anything as the Exorcist house too and because of how you know acclaimed it's become it'd be an easy cash grab i said but i'm not in i don't have a desire to write another story in that world like there's nothing there that i want to that i want to explore further i think it ends exactly where i wanted it to end and then out of nowhere this sort of like i wasn't thinking about it i wasn't planning on it but this idea just came and i said this is this is too good this 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 would work. And it excited me enough to send Joe a message. And I said, I said, well, what do you think about a sequel to The Exorcist House? And, you know, he said, done. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'll actually start working on that this summer. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a teacher and I'm in my last 12 days of school. And that's typically when I write my novels is over summer i'll sit down for and write a thousand words minimum per day and you know if i crank out ninety thousand words on my summer break that's typically my 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 manuscript and then i'll edit and stuff in the fall but um so i've got that coming out next year so along the way i've i've been writing and publishing short stories um some of them have been well most of them have been horror um Some of them have been more literary fiction that were published in literary magazines, but they were still very dark and dealt with like themes of addiction and um and grief and loss and obsession and you know i I realized um a few months ago that I had about fifteen short stories, and they equated about ninety thousand words and and you know, I realized that as I looked at all these stories together, I said, you know, there is a common through line in with obsession and addiction and you know being haunted by something. Um and I decided that I would release uh you know, if there was interest, I was gonna release a collection. And yeah, I messaged Joe again at Crystal Lake. He was my, my first thought. I said you know, I just realized that I've, I've got enough for a short story collection. And the last one was that I sold, I'll get the rights back June 16th of this year. So we would be able to release it June 16th. I said, do you have any interest in that? He said, let's set a release date, June 16th. <laughs> so I, um, Uh, yeah, so the last couple months I've been editing those stories and working with a cover artist on that, and, um, there's a line in the Exorcist House called It Haunts the Mind, and there, so there's actually a story, a new story that I wrote for this collection that takes place in the Exorcist House world, and it's called It Haunts the Mind. So. the title of the collection is called it haunts the mind and other stories. And it's 15 short stories, all dark, some scary, some horrific because of human nature. Um, But they all kind of blend together. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm eager to see how my hardcore horror fans are going to respond to these other stories um, that are kind of interspersed, um, between the the real spooky ones.
1: Now I have an idea as a teaser and I'm just throwing this out there for you because it's helped me and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe it would help you. I'm not sure. Uh, but I have a friend, his name is Henrik Kuto. He's a movie director and film producer, podcast host. He wears a lot of hats, but that's his full-time job. He doesn't have a day job. That's what he does. Um, and he hosts a, a, weekly podcast called weekly spooky and he features short stories from authors all over the country and he narrates them and he does such a great job he's i've he's done like seven or eight of my stories um so if if uh you wanted to submit a story to henrik he could read it and uh you would you would hear you can go listen to his narration right now he's got like 200 stories out there uh but he would also plug your book coming out, and this is part of the collection. You know, um, it haunts the mind and other stories. So he would plug the collection that's coming out, which has this story. Uh, but I thought I'd throw that out. There's an idea because it's it's a very good show, and he does such a great job. Narrating yeah, It's crazy. Uh, I, uh, yes, send me anyway. that info. I'd love to check him out. Yeah, I'll send you his contact info. He, and he's always looking for authors to uh, to uh, promote. Of course, it helps him right. too because it it helps his show. But um, he's helped me tremendously. I mean, he's he's probably sold me uh, a few more well, books than now, I would have I love sold those, by myself. <laughs> those
0: type of podcasts too. I think my favorite that I listen to is called Radio Rental. Have you ever listened to that?
1: I've heard of Radio okay. Rental. Some, I haven't sat some, and listened to it, but I have. It's heard got of
0: some it. truly unsettling, creepy stories on there, but um, they're all mostly told through first person. So, um, I, w- I was just curious with, uh, with your friend's show, is, does he like just read the story
1: or does he, he, yeah, he narrates the story, but he puts life and he puts sound effects in there. He, he, you, Okay. I need you to go listen to it. Um, it, if, uh, uh, go listen to the spirit of Langley Pond. That's one of mine. Okay. Um, and I'll send that to you. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll. I'll send you the link to it um, or you can go to my website, actually valuable publications.com. And I have all of my okay. weekly spooky stories on a tab, um, but uh, you'll see how great he is, man. He is so good. And uh, he, he's really a, a benefit to, to authors, especially those promoting short stories because yeah. he does such a great job. Uh, all right, Henrik, there's your plug. <laughs> I'll expect the check next week. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> well, Nick, man, it's been awesome talking to you, but what I want to do, um, and you've told us what's coming out, I want you to kind of encapsulate it all and tell our listeners where they can find your stuff, where they can order your books, where they can get your merch, whatever you want to promote, this is your time to plug it. I'm going to shut okay, up. So the main talk. hub is
0: www.nickrobertsauthor.com. From there, you can link to all of my socials. I'm on you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And I try to post different content on each platform just so it's not the same thing on every single platform. And um, as far as uh, my website, you can purchase, when I have them in stock, that's where you can purchase signed copies of Anathema or or The Exorcist House. And um, I have merchandise on there. Um, I just recently did that. I didn't even know that the, I use Squarespace and I didn't realize that they partner with sort of a print on demand company. And, you know, I kind of supplied the art and the, and the the logo and all that the book cover and all that stuff and created some apparel and some mugs and, book, and bookmarks, all that cool stuff. So that's on there. But the really cool promotion that I'm doing right now, and we're at the tail end of it, is um I'm giving uh readers a chance to be in the Exorcist House Genesis. So I'm doing a contest where if you go on my website and you purchase one of my books or also have like a little bundle of of merchandise, if you purchase anything like that, you're automatically entered into a drawing and there's a limit there's 62, so you if you buy one thing, you have a one in 62 chance of becoming a character slash potential victim in the Exorcist House too. If you want to uh, have literary immortality, but I was kind of blown away by how quickly that exploded. I had kind of a you know couple stacks of books sitting on my kitchen table, and as soon as I made that post. You know, people just started blowing up my my Facebook and saying, "I want to be, I want to be killed off." I've always wanted to be killed off in a book. So, <laughs> and I said, "I'll name the character after you. I'll put your likeness in there." And uh, yeah, so that's kind of a unique kind of contest that I, I thought of to not only to help me unload some of my back stock of of, of books and all that, but to uh, engage the fans because I know as a fan if Stephen King was doing something like that, hell yeah, I'd like to have my name be in a Stephen King book. But yeah, exactly. that's going on right now, exactly. and I, I have about 15 items left. I don't know when this is going to air. It might be completely over by the time.
1: Oh, no, no, no. And what, uh, yeah, did, did you say June 16th? Is Yeah, uh, June 16th is when date?
0: the... Uh, the collection comes out, but this contest is, is going on right yeah, now. This... So, yeah, I could I could run out of stuff okay. the day after tomorrow. Yeah,
1: the, yeah, yeah. The podcast will air a couple of weeks after we, uh, after we hang up. Uh, I'll give you an exact date. Uh, and you, the audience, you'll definitely get an exact date. I'm going to uh, list Nick's website link below, so you can click there and Get everything yeah, he's talking about. Uh, I'm definitely going to pick up uh, anathema for sure. If you have signed copies of that, I'm going to get a, place an order for that because I'm very interested. And I, in I definitely, that book. you um, know, wouldn't
0: have gotten this far without the 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 readers who support me. And I make it a priority to respond to every single comment on any social media platform. If someone you know just says, "Love the book." Uh, you know, I'll like it, I'll say thank you. And, you know, it's, it's that level of engagement that, um, that, um, I, I want to give my fans and my readers because, you know, that's kind of how I've amassed the, you know, growing following that I, that I have is by, you know, being accessible and you know being friendly and trying to create like these fun type of contests and uh yeah so I uh, i just love engaging with people who like to read i love talking about scary books i'm the biggest fanboy out there so
1: um yeah there you go <laughs> awesome well, well, Nick, I've enjoyed having you on the show today, and we'll definitely have you back when you release some of this other stuff. We'll, we'll do a round two, and I'm going to finish The Exorcist House tomorrow. Uh, like I said, I've got about two and a half to three hours left on the audiobook, but uh, it's a very engaging story, so the people who are listening, go pick it up. Uh, go to his website, uh, pick up Anathema, and be on the lookout for the things he has coming out. Uh, Nick, thank you again for being on the show. I am Charles Campbell author. I'm a small town horror author. You can find my stuff at valleyboypublications.com. I have a Horror 421, the podcast Facebook page. Uh, You can find me on Instagram as well under Charles Campbell author and Facebook under Charles Campbell author. And if you're a music lover, you can kick over to Backstage 421 and listen to the bands and the artists that I'm talking to there. But uh, until next time, we'll see you on the next episode of Horror 421, the podcast. Thank you again. Thank you. It was my was my pleasure having you on. Goodbye.
0: We hope you had a horrific time, lovelies. Thank you for tuning in to Horror 421, the podcast. Be sure to like us on YouTube and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.